Take your Bibles and turn to John 17. John chapter 17. John 17. Bruce, in his commentary, shared these words about John Knox. On his deathbed in 1572, he asked his wife to read to him John 17, where he said, I cast my first anchor. Think about that. And almost his last words show how much his mind dwelt on this chapter with its implications for the troubled church of God, the spouse of Jesus Christ, despised of the world but precious in his sight. He clearly appreciated that the church's true life is lived on a higher plane than the turbulent political stage on which he had been so much involved and with which he was by now so thoroughly disillusioned. Well, as I study this chapter, like Knox, I find great comfort and encouragement in hearing this prayer of Jesus. It's been a joy just over the last few weeks of reading through it, not just once, but several different times. And just hearing the heart of my Savior as He prays to glorify God the Father. And as He prays for the disciples and eventually Praise for the future church, you and I, as we're going to see here in the days ahead. And so, yes, just understanding more fully his care and his concern for his own, especially in the days in which we are living. Because, yeah, we're on the political stage, (laughs) just like John Knox. It hasn't changed. Nothing new under the sun. And we find ourselves in a very immoral world. But as you come to a passage like this, a chapter like this, and you hear Jesus praying to the Father on behalf of His own, oh man, it should just lift your hearts uh, in spite of what's going on around you. And so follow with me as I read verses 6 through 19 of this chapter as Jesus continues to pray to the Father. I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words which you gave me, I have given to them. And they received them and understood that I came forth from you, and they believed that you sent me. I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me, for they are yours." And all things are mine, are yours, and yours are mine. And I have been glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you have given me. And I guarded them, and not one of them perished but the son of perdition, so that the scripture would be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in the truth. May God add his blessing 
to the reading of His Word. You know, if you remember in the beginning of this prayer, Jesus prayed for Himself that He be glorified so that He might glorify the Father. We saw that a couple of weeks ago in the first five verses. And really, the way Jesus was and is glorified is how He glorifies the Father. It is. As I said a couple of weeks ago, it really comes down to doing the Father's will. Him doing the Father's will. Fulfilling the eternal plan of redemption from the foundation of the world. Well, in verse 6 here, Jesus transitioned to praying specifically for His disciples. Those who were given Him by the Father from out of the world. That's what it says there in verse 6. I have manifested Your name to the men whom You gave Me out of the world. They were Yours and You gave them to Me. In fact, He recalls what He had just said back in verse 2. Even as You, that is the Son, gave Him authority over all flesh... And to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. So he not only says it here, but he said it back in verse 2 as well. So in the following verses, verses 7 through 19, the master here continued in his prayer, lifting up these men who had this glorious relationship with the Father as they remained in this world. And beloved, though this section of Scripture is specifically about the disciples, what Jesus prayed for them is certainly for you and I today who live in this world, but we are not of it. Amen? We're in it, but we're not of it. Amen? Yeah, praise the Lord. As I pointed out before from Hebrews 7 in verse 25, it says there, He, that is Jesus, always lives to make intercession for us. Think about that. Jesus always lives to make intercession for us. So what did our Lord here focus on in this prayer for these men that should be of great blessing and encouragement to you and I? Well, I want you to consider with me three wonderful components, three wonderful components of our relationship to Christ that we see here in verses 6 to 19. And I do trust that as we work through this, that it will bring great hope to your heart of Jesus' loving care and concern for His own. Because that is exactly what is expressed here by the Lord Jesus Christ to God the Father. But you know, we're only going to look at one for this morning. (laughs) Yeah, there's going to be three components. But we'll look at the next two in the next week or two weeks. We're only going to focus on one because we don't have time for the other two, given the fact that we have communion this morning. Well, the first component is observed there in verses 6 to 10. And I do want to read this once again. So follow with me. Jesus says to the Father, I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. And you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words which you gave me, I have given to them. And they received them and truly understood that I came forth from you. And they believed that you sent me. 
I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all things that are mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. So what do you notice here? What is the component of their relationship to Christ? It's simply this. Jesus proclaimed the disciples' salvation by God. Yes, Jesus proclaimed the disciples' salvation here in these verses. In these verses, Jesus is acknowledging to the Father what had spiritually and really gloriously taken place in their lives. In fact, it's very possible, and I would say likely, that they were in earshot of this prayer. It must have been an encouragement to them. As he was not speaking to the Father on behalf of the world, but for them. That's what he says there in verse 9. He's praying for them. And they hear this. And so it must have been an encouragement to them. And what he prays here in verses 6 to 10 actually becomes the foundation of his petitions to follow, which we are going to consider in the next week or so. And so what did God the Son here highlight regarding the disciple's salvation as he prays to the Father? Remember, it's the foundation for the petitions to follow. Well, first he claimed that these men had been chosen by God. Yeah, they had been chosen by God. Look with me again at verse 6. I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours and you gave them to me. Now he comes back to it again later in verses 9 and 10. Follow along. I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me, for they are yours and all things that are mine are yours and yours are mine. Yes. There are two things to note in these verses. Number one, the divine intimacy within the Godhead between the Father and the Son. Yeah, what's yours is mine. What's mine is yours, he says. Emphasizing the deity of Jesus Christ. In fact, all through chapters 13 through 17, you have this divine intimacy going on within the Godhead. The Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. And so we don't want to lose track of that very thing. Jesus is God. And that's what he's proclaiming here. So that's one thing to note. But you'll also observe that three times, three times in these verses that I just read, Jesus referenced that the Father gave these men to the Son. This happened when He chose them before the foundation of the world. Now let me say this up front. Not everyone is chosen by God for salvation. Okay? Not everyone. You may have never heard of that before. But that is true according to the Scriptures. If everyone was chosen, then all would be saved. And that just will not happen. <laughs> we know that will not happen. And yet those chosen, as it says here, were given to the Son, and He will redeem them. Now, this is not because there was something intrinsically special about these men that they were chosen. Okay? Okay? 
They didn't deserve that. In fact, what happened in their lives is simply by God's grace. It's God's grace. Because all deserve to be lost and going to hell forever, right? Right? Yeah. None of us deserve this. And so it is by God's grace. That's something I just want you to get a hold of as you think about that this morning. We've been chosen, but it's by God's grace. We don't deserve it. These men didn't deserve it. If you remember, I discussed this matter a couple of weeks ago from verse 2. That's why I read that earlier. But as you can see, this truth is emphasized, which means that four times in the first ten verses, (laughs) Jesus referenced the fact that God the Father gave these men to the Son. Yes, He chose them from out of the world. And so therefore, I want you to turn back with me, if you would, to John chapter 6. We looked at this a couple of weeks ago, but we need to go back to it again. Some of you may have forgotten. Some of you may have not been here a couple of weeks ago. But it is good for us to go back to John 6. Because Jesus talked about this very thing back then. A year or so before this night. Here Jesus had just feed, has just fed the 5,000. And he's not only met their monetary need with bread, but he's going to give them the bread of life. He's going to give them the message of salvation. And so in verses 35 to 40, Jesus says these words, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise Him up on the last day. Wow. Look down with me at verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who has sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Verses 65. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who it was that would betray him. And he was saying, for this reason, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him from the Father. And so, beloved, those chosen by the Father, were given to the Son, and then in the providence of time, He will draw them to Jesus, and Jesus will not cast them out. Praise the Lord. That's what this passage says. Look with me at what Jesus said later in our present context, just hours before this. John 15. John chapter 15, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. 
How about verse 19? And if you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. And you want to know something? Not only did Jesus highlight this truth, but so did the Apostle Paul and also Peter, who was there that night. This is all over the epistles. In fact, if you would, turn with me to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 13. Paul writing here to the Thessalonian church, but we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the spirit and of faith in the truth. OK, now turn with me to first Peter chapter one, first Peter chapter one. First Peter chapter one. Verses 1 and 2. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with His blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. And so, beloved, what a wonderful truth this is for us to meditate upon. And it's not just about the disciples, but it's for believers today as well, as I've already indicated. And, you know, I don't think I have to convince you of this. <laughs> you have heard this truth many times and in different settings. And I'm not here to cram it down your throat <laughs> You know, every Sunday. But you know what? It is all over the pages of Scripture. And so when it's before us, we have to acknowledge it. It's a fact that we must claim for ourselves. But we should rejoice in it. Amen? Because it's all of God's grace to us. In fact, earlier in our Scripture reading, Paul there is talking about the many spiritual blessings that we have. And what's the first one he mentions? <laughs> that we've been chosen. This is not something that's negative. I think sometimes in our evangelical world, it has become a negative doctrine, but it shouldn't be. It's a glorious doctrine of God's grace to our hearts and minds. And so we should be rejoicing in that. As one pastor said, this should cause you to boast in God, to glorify Him. You are a treasure of His grace and belong to Him. Amen, right? <laughs> Amen. And this is the application for you and I. So these men had been chosen by God. That's the first thing that Jesus claims to the Father as He's praying to them. Well, there's another thing that Jesus proclaimed about the disciples' salvation. Look with me at the beginning of verse 6, what it says there. I have manifested your name to the men you gave me. Verse 7. Now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words which you gave me, I gave to them. And they received them and truly understood that I came forth from you. And they believed 
that you sent me. What do you see here? Jesus claimed these men had faith in God. They had faith in God. Verses 7 and 8 really capture this response of the disciples to the truth Jesus revealed to them. It was genuine. Being described by Jesus through a number of verbs that I want you to take note of in this passage. Look at verse 7. Now they have come what? To know that everything you have given me is from you. That word know there is gnosko. There's an intimacy about it. They had become convinced in their hearts of the truth which had drawn them to Jesus. And so therefore, in verse 8, it says they received his words. They embraced them for himself because they understood that he came forth from the Father. Their eyes had been opened as to who Christ was. And thus, as it says there at the end of verse 8, they believed that the Father sent him. This wasn't just a mental assent to certain facts about Christ. No, this was a heart commitment. That's what true belief is. A full commitment of heart to the message, to the words which Jesus had shared with them. They committed their hearts to Him and to that truth. They believed and were saved. (laughs) Gloriously saved. Again, by the grace of God. In fact, moments later there in verse 10... Jesus sort of put a capstone on their faith by saying, I have been glorified in them. That's a wonderful statement. It's a perfect passive verb. What do you mean by that, Pastor? (laughs) In other words, action came upon them. And in the past, they believed, but it had continuing results. So what is being said here? The Father helped them to embrace Jesus as God, Savior, Lord. They trusted that Jesus was the Messiah, the one sent to deliver them from their sin and to eventually establish his kingdom. I want you to turn with me so that you see this so more clearly to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Turn with me if you would there. I love this account. Matthew 16. Beginning in verse 13. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Yeah, that was what was going on. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, or son of John, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Yeah. Turn with me to John chapter six. We were there before, but I want us to notice something at the end of that chapter. John chapter six, verses 66 to 69. John 6, 66 to 69. It says, as a result of this, that is, Jesus was preaching that he was the bread of life. It says, as a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew 
and were not walking with him anymore. Yeah, there were disciples, there were followers who were interested in Jesus, but they weren't real followers because they had left him. And so what does it say there in verse 67? So Jesus said to the twelve, you do not want to go away also, do you? And I love this. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And so not only were these men a gift from the Father to the Son, they were chosen, yes, but also their faith was a gift from the Father through the Son. (laughs) Again, all I can say is, what grace! What grace! And beloved, the same is true for you and I this morning. I can't help but think of Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. When it says there, it is a gift of God, what's a gift? It goes back to the previous verse. And not just salvation, but also to the faith and grace. It's all a gift that is given to us. You know those familiar words in Romans 8, verse 30? And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. So from beginning to end, salvation is a work of God. It is. And so he gets the glory, not us, right? Huh? That's what we're here to do this morning, is to worship God, to bring him glory. (laughs) And he's the one that does all that work. He's the one that gets the glory. But let us not stop with this. There's something else I want you to note. What Jesus was claiming to the Father regarding the disciples in this prayer is the foundation for his petitions to follow. I said that earlier, and I'm saying it again because this is very important. He is praying here in God's will for these men who were saved. And so these petitions would be realized in their lives. And so I want you to listen further at what it says in Romans 8, 31 and 32. What then shall we say to these things? What is Paul saying about these things? He's referring back to the previous verse where it says, These whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. What shall we say to these things? And he goes on and says, If God is for us, and it's demonstrated by that work. That's how we know God is for us. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? All things pertaining to life and godliness. And that is exactly what Jesus goes on to pray about in the following verses. Yeah. All things pertaining to life and godliness. He expresses their salvation because it provides the foundation for these petitions that we will consider in the weeks ahead. How wonderful that is. And so let us find great comfort in this ourselves as Jesus intercedes for us as he did them. These men had been chosen by God and these men had faith in God. What grace, what grace. 
But very quickly, there's one other thing here that Jesus proclaimed about these disciples' salvation. And you can almost read through this and miss it. Notice what he says there at the end of verse 6. And they have what? What did he say about them? And they have what? Kept your word. And so Jesus claimed these men had obeyed God. These men had obeyed God. That's what it means here to keep his word, to give heed, to observe. Obedience is what characterized the disciples' lives and gave evidence of their faith in God. And by the way, that's a work of grace too. It is. Because when we get saved, what happens? The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. And therefore we have a passion to obey Him. That's of grace as well. Well, as you know, Jesus had talked about this earlier in the evening, just in a different way. Go back with me to John 14. John 14, verse 15. What did He say to these men? If you love Me, you will keep My commandments or My word. Later in verse 21, He says, He who has My commandments and keeps them is the one who loves Me. Verse 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. Go with me to chapter 15, verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Look at verse 14. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. So what Jesus is praying here about these men, yeah, he had been speaking about this earlier in the evening. And then years later, John himself, who's the author of this gospel, emphasized this in his first epistle, did he not? You don't have to turn there, but you can write it down. 1 John 2, 3 to 5. I've gone to this passage a number of times. It's my favorite in 1 John because it's so simple and yet profound. 1 John 2, 3-5 By this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. The one who says, I have come to know Him and does not keep His commandments is a liar and the truth is not in Him. But whoever keeps His word in Him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in Him. Are there times that we disobey? Yeah. We have to acknowledge that. There are times we disobey. But that's not the pattern of our life anymore. Because now we have the love of God shed abroad our hearts. We have true faith. And that faith is manifested in our lives by obedience. Again, this is a work of God's grace. And so keeping God's word, obeying him, proves that one is a genuine disciple that you know God in a saving way. I want you all to be thinking about that this morning. And this is what Jesus was getting at here in this prayer as he prayed to the Father concerning these men. They weren't just anybody, okay? Let's remember that. They they weren't of the world. They belonged to him. They had a relationship with the Godhead. And so Jesus here was genuinely concerned for their welfare as he is of you and I today. In fact, the way that Jesus thought of the disciples is the way that he thinks of you and I 
as he intercedes for us. We've been chosen. (laughs) We have faith. We have obeyed. Yes, and it's all of grace. Praise the Lord. You should find great comfort in this as you live in this day and age. And so what a wonderful way to enter communion this morning. Just dwelling upon our salvation. What God the Father has done for you and I through His Son, Jesus Christ. By His grace, we have been chosen, we have faith, and we obey. No matter what we may be facing or encountering, like the disciples, we can be encouraged that Jesus cares and intercedes for us. Yeah, just think about these men. Jesus is going to be leaving them. They are going to be persecuted. It is these truths that they're hearing from Jesus that would help them as they continued on and thought about them. The same is true for us. As I said at the beginning, we live in a really tough political world. Things haven't changed from the time of Knox. And we're living in a, in a moral world. And we face all these things each and every day. We're pummeled with these things. But I trust that in those moments, you will just meditate on your relationship with the Lord. That by His grace, you have been chosen. You have had faith and you now obey because you love Him. In fact, you and I can come directly to the Father through the Son and seek His wisdom and guidance because we're not of this world. But we belong to Him. As the writer of Hebrews wrote in 4, 14 to 16, you know these verses. I close with this. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So may these truths fill your soul as we fellowship around God's table this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And just to hear our Savior praying for the disciples. And certainly, as He continues to make intercession for those who are His, what He said concerning them applies to us. Oh God, we have been chosen. We have faith. And we obey. Not because there is something special in us. It's all of grace. Help us to be reminded of that this morning. And to rejoice in you and on our Savior who made it all possible. And so may this time of being around the table this morning. I could.